All right. All right. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Pastor Carl Gallops, and he published a book this year. The title of the book is The Summoning, Preparing for the Coming Days of Noah. And it's an excellent book. I finished it this morning. Very timely. I think it's an important book for people to read. But Pastor Carl, Carl Gallops has been the senior pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, since 1987. He's a graduate of the Florida Law Enforcement Officer Academy, Florida State University with a BSc in Criminology, and the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary with a Master's in Divinity Theology, I think. And he has served on the Board of Regents at the University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama since 2000. And he's a very prolific writer. So I'm going to go through some of his books, the ones that I could find on Amazon. Uh, the most recent before this book, which was again published in February 2021, was Masquerade, Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History, published March 2020. The next is The Rabbi, The Secret Message, and the Identity of the Messiah from 2019. Gods of the Final Kingdom, Unveiling the Secrets of the Raging Celestial War that Ultimately Results in the Restitution of All Things Brought to Life in the Theater of Your Mind and Soul, published 2019. Gods of Ground Zero, The Truth of Eden's Iniquity, 2018. Gods and Thrones, Nakash, Forgotten Prophecy and the Return of the Elohim, published 2017. And an interesting book that I'd like to read, uh, particularly caught my interest, was The Rabbi Who Found Messiah, Messiah The Story of Yitzhak Kuduri and His Prophecies of the End Time. I've never heard of that name. That was published 2016. But he is a best-selling author. He also has an internationally known radio talk show. And his website is www.carlgallups.com. So www.carlgallups.com. So again, we're going to talk about this book, The Summoning, Preparing for the Coming Days of Noah. So Pastor Gallups, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, William. Thank you so much for that gracious introduction. It's great to be with you. Awesome. Well, thanks for agreeing to the interview. For people who may not have heard your background, can you talk about what led you through to write all these books and then this most recent book, The Summoning? Yeah, I'll keep it short because there's a long uh, backstory to it that I call a God story. I mean, <laughs> the Lord directed all of this. I, I, I really, I didn't start writing till about 10 years ago. And and uh, I had no idea in all of my life that I would ever even want to write and, you know, to be published and all of that. I just, it just wasn't on my radar. But anyway, it's a long story, but it did happen. I wrote my first book thinking it would be my only book. I wrote it mainly for my church family. And uh, anyway, it was picked up by a major publisher. And that's a long story. A friend of a friend of a friend was a publicist that I didn't know. And I gave this friend the copy just to read it and tell me if he thought it was worth publishing. Next thing you know, I've got a major publish publisher calling me wanting to publish the book. So that's it just started with that. And before long, I mean, you know, writing these books and, and they all became bestsellers on Amazon. One of them became a top 60 out of all 17 million books on Amazon. It was in the top 60 of all the books. Wow. Every one of them I've written have been in the top two to 300 of all the books at one time or another. So God has just really blessed and used it. And that's opened up all kind of media platforms, television, radio conferences, uh, prophecy conferences, uh, speaking engagements. I, I, 
I opened Donald Trump's first Florida rally for him oh, wow. in Pensacola, Florida in 2016, largely because of all of this uh, uh, media attention I had because of the books I've written. I, I write these books for God's people mainly. And, um, you know, just to help them understand that not only the scriptures in context, but the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but also, and most importantly, how it fits into what's happening in our world, what this means to our lives and where everything is going and our part in it. So that's how I got started. And, and now I'm with Defender Publishing and still writing. I've got another one coming out this fall. I'm so excited about it. And that's the short story, believe it or not. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's that's a great story. And this book, I mean, can you talk to people who may not know what the term Days of Noah is and how yeah. it applies to today? Yeah, yeah, I sure can. Thank Just you. As an intro. Yeah. Listen, yeah, the book's called The Summoning, uh, you know, preparing for the coming days of Noah. Uh, we can talk about the summoning in a moment, but um, but but preparing for the coming days of Noah, that's really the crux of the book. Um and, uh, and, and, and so what I'm doing is I'm using Jesus' own words in Luke 17 and in Matthew 24, two places, he is asked by two different audiences. The first one in Luke 17 is an audience of uh, religious elite, the religious leaders of the Orthodox Jews in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin council members, and people that had been tailing him and dogging him throughout his three years of ministry. And Jesus is on the road from uh, the Jordan Road from Galilee. He's headed all the way down close to the Dead Sea. He'll turn and go west and go up to Jericho and from Jericho up to Jerusalem. So he's in that last couple months of his life before going to the cross, and he's uh, confronted again by these religious elite. And they ask him, they demand of him that he give them the secrets of the coming of Messiah, the, 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 the setting up of the kingdom of God. And, and so Jesus is answering that question, but he, he caps it off by saying, and, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but he caps it off by saying, and by the way, let me just tell you the defining sign of those days the sign of the coming of the Son of Man is this, and now I'm going to quote him directly, it will be just as it was in the days of Noah. And then he goes on to say, and it will be just like it was in the days of Lot. And then he said, it will be just like this. So you can hear how emphatic he was and then a few months later, he winds up in Jerusalem. He's getting ready to deliver himself to the cross. He's on the side of the Mount of Olives. It's called the Olivet Discourse. He's with his disciples. They ask him again to expound. It's a private meeting, but they ask him, and it's found in Matthew 24, to expound upon, to expand upon um, the signs of the coming of, of the Son of Man, uh, the, the Messiah, when Jesus returns in his glory. And so he goes in with them into much greater detail, but he ends that by saying, and let me remind you, it will be just like the days of Noah. So what I do, William, is I spend a good chunk of this book describing and explaining exactly what the, the phrase, the days of Noah means. And, and I, I won't go through the whole thing right here. I mean, but, but the book does. And right. I, most people have found it to be very fascinating and it really is, but I can just give a brief summary and say this. Yeah, Look, please do. Please do. Yeah. When he uses the words, just like now, now this is obvious, but let me just state the obvious. Um, uh, 
he's he didn't say it'll be kind of like it'll be sort of like or hey let me give you a metaphor or or let me give you a parable he was emphatic not only with the religious leaders several months before but at that time before he went to the cross with his disciples he used that same phrase it will be just like the days of noah now now my brother <laughs> when if i say to you that something is just like it I mean, I might exaggerate a little bit, and I don't think Jesus exaggerated, but but what I mean is it's going to be so close to the thing that I just said that you'll hardly be able to differentiate between the two. And Jesus kept pumping that. All right, so what does it mean? Well, in both cases, in Luke 17 and Matthew 24, um, in both cases, Jesus, his initial description was um, it'll... He said one of the things that marks it off will be that people will be eating and drinking and giving in marriage and buying and selling and, you know, and yada, yada, yada. And but then he goes on to say it'll be just like the days of Noah. Now, what I explain to people and in the book, I do this quite uh, deeply. There's nothing wrong at all with eating and drinking and buying and selling and giving in marriage. Those are the, that's the stuff of life. So Jesus is not saying that doing those things is some, some sign of evil in the last days. What he's saying there is that, and then he goes on to say, they were buying and selling, giving in marriage, et cetera, et cetera, right up to the day the flood came. And what he's saying is that here's Noah, who has built an aircraft carrier-sized ship in his backyard, He's been preaching for 120 years the gospel and the coming of the flood, the coming of God, the coming of God's wrath. He's giving people a chance to repent, but people went on with life as though Noah was irrelevant. They probably called him a conspiracy theorist. They probably called him a prepper. I mean, he was loading the boat with food and, you know, and, and equipment and supplies. And they, they mocked him. Uh, but in the meantime, the planet grew in Noah's day. If you if we read the scriptures, it grew more and more wicked, increasingly wicked and with each passing generation that was coming through. And God says everything that man is desiring to do, he can do any imagination of his wicked heart. He is bringing to fruition. Not only that, but we have a hint from Genesis six and I've written extensively about this, and it's a very disputed and debated passage of Scripture, but he says how the sons of God came unto the daughters of men. That's right before the flood. And then there were giants in the land, and they were basically terrorists. They were you know, violent, and then everything they did, everything the people did was to devise wickedness. So without getting into a deep, deep word study on that here, I can just say at the very least that is signaling to us that there was some kind of demonic invasion, some kind of demonic incursion that eventually resulted in what God said was the corruption of all flesh. Isn't that interesting? Yes. In Noah's day. So you got a demonic outpouring. And of course, you know, people debate, scholars debate, you know, the sons of God. Was that really angels? Which that phrase, when that specific phrase in Hebrew, B'nai Elohim, every time it's used in the Bible, and it's only used about six times, that specific phrase, every time it's used, it is translated as angels or divine beings. Except in Genesis 6, most translators cannot fathom that somehow angelic beings kind of kind of penetrated and 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 the the human realm in a in an illegal way 
in a way that God would did not allow and somehow produce children by by human women. Um, and so, you know, there are other there are other theories as to what this means, but I'm just telling you, brother, and again, I, I've written many books, I've done deep research on this, as have many other modern day scholars, and it can mean nothing else than what it says in the Hebrew, clearly in the Hebrew. It can mean nothing else but that there was some kind of demonic encroachment and it resulted in flesh being corrupted. It was either some kind of knowledge or some kind of genetic manipulation or the great potential that there was some ability for at least a certain class of divine beings to have physical relationships with human beings in those days, although they obviously were... told by the Lord, you cannot cross over that line. You cannot do it. Just like us and animals. Can humans have sex with animals? Yes. But what does God's word say about that? And what kind of fallout can there be from that? Well, the, old, the Old Testament is pretty straightforward for that. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of the same thing when people say, well, well, angels can't have sex with humans. Well, we don't know before the flood. Maybe it was a certain class. Maybe they all could. Maybe, maybe they weren't actually having sex. Maybe they were doing some kind of genetic exploration and manipulation. We don't know. God didn't tell us exactly what happened. He just said these B'nai Elohim, these divine beings, came unto the dark. Daughters of men saw that they were beautiful, married them, it says, and that word carries different meanings in the Hebrew, but basically joined with them and somehow produced children. So again, you know, people, you know, you can say, well, can a human have sex with an animal? Some people would say, no. Well, wait a minute. Yes, they can, but should they? And if they do, are there consequences? So the bottom line is, Jesus said it's going to be just like the days of Noah, demonic encroachment, a corruption of flesh, humans. And by the way, look at the description of Noah's day. Both human and animal flesh was corrupted. And I and I make a point of this in the book that some English translations will do a, a, a commentary rather than a complete, uh, a, a, a literal translation. They will say, um, and, and God said, the, the flesh of all humanity has become corrupted. Well, but that's not what it says in the Hebrew. It says all flesh. Right. And then when you get to the ark, what does God put on the ark? He puts on human beings who he says are still righteous. That means uncorrupted. And then he puts on animals, but watch this, only the animals that God brought to the ark. He told Noah, I will bring them to you. In other words, Noah didn't go out and search down just any animals he wanted. He built the cages. He built the ark. He gathered the food. He made all the provisions. But seven days before the flood came, He told Noah, move out of your house, go into the ark now and get ready. I'm now bringing the animals to you. Now, that's important because my theory, and again, the Bible doesn't say what I'm getting ready to say now. So I'm going to say my theory based upon all that the Bible does say is that God knew which humans were uh, not corrupted and he knew which animals were uncorrupted in their flesh. He brought the animals. He put the humans on there. He closed the door. The Bible says God closed the door to the ark. Noah and his sons did not close the door. That door slammed shut. And man, that's a that's a picture of the gospel 
uh, the salvation being slammed shut in the last days just before God's wrath. There'll come a point in time where it will be too late for people to repent and to turn to the Lord through right. Jesus Christ. That was the original Great Reset, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it was. Yeah. yeah, I say that in my book. Yes. Yeah, it, and, and it really was. And you see how Satan copies everything? So it truly was the Great Reset. Now, what is Satan doing through the globalist spirit? He's now talking about another great reset, but this one is going to be his outpouring right. of a wrath. And Daniel said the end will come like a Thief flood. In a, flood. A, okay. a flood. Daniel, oh. Daniel said a flood. Jesus, uh, Paul talks about coming like a thief in the night, but then he talks to the, he says to the church, but it will not surprise you like a thief in the night because you are not in darkness. You are walking in light. In other words, you have the word of God. Plus you've got all these great books that Carl Gallup's is writing. And so, no, no, the Bible doesn't say that. But, but, but what it means is in the last days, we will have books like mine, but more importantly, we will have the word of God that shines the light on what is happening, what's going to happen, what will happen in a certain generation, and when it comes, what it means. So all of that is wrapped up into what Jesus meant when he said it'll be like the days of Noah. Think of our own days. I mean, brother, just in the last several decades, have we discovered how to genetically manipulate uh, hu human flesh and animal flesh just in the last 12, 15 years, I guess, I, I can't remember the exact timing of it. Now we've, we've, we've come upon this knowledge of uh, CRISPR, right? You mentioned CRISPR yeah, in your CRISPR book. Right? Cas9, this, yeah. Uh, we've just in the last few years, we've come across this MRNA technology and I know people, well, that's what the vaccine is. It's evil. Oh, okay. I understand. But, Five or six, seven years ago, the chief medical officer of Mo Moderna, he's on YouTube now. You can still the YouTube videos up there is giving a TED talk. And he talks about how these are his words. He says, we are literally rewriting the code of life. He says, we are, we are reprogramming the genetic code. And of course, the audience explodes into applause because he says, think of, think of what we can do with this. We can cure cancer. We can cure polio. We can cure. And he goes through this list and everybody, well, you're right. If we were a benevolent uh, group of human beings, all 8 billion of us, um, and we had this knowledge given to us, by the way, what was Adam and Eve's sin? They ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. See, is technology good? Absolutely. Can mRNA technology be used for good things? A absolutely. That's what the, the, the chief medical officer of Moderna was saying. That's how he was trying to sell it to the world. But can it also be used for abject evil technology? Absolutely. The internet's a perfect example. Is the internet good or evil? Well, it's both, both right. <laughs> and it's both ubiquitously. It is wonderfully good. You and I are using it right now to get this truth out to the world. We never had that ability, but you know, 20 years ago, we would have never dreamed of this ability and here we are doing it. But um, here's an example of uh, one of the things of the technology of evil. If this virus was actually made in a lab, that would be a negative example of this kind of CRISPR well, nanotech. Exactly. And then the vaccine on top of it. And right. now that we've uncovered that the RNA, tran uh, you know, transfers information to each cell in the body through the DNA, which tells the body to do something it's never done before by the switching off and on of biological switches. By the way, about 15 years ago or 10 years ago, uh, geneticists were adamant that our DNA contained what was called junk DNA. 
And there was all kind of stuff on the internet about the junk DNA. And what that means was they, they saw all of these other components of DNA that they had no idea. They said, these things don't do anything. This, it, so this is junk left over from evolution. Well, because I come from a biblical worldview, 15 years ago, I was screaming all over YouTube, this can't be junk DNA. God doesn't make junk. We were not evolved. There is a designer, an intelligent designer, the Lord God behind all of this. And I said, one day soon, and I, these are on videos from 15 years ago. I said, one day soon, we will discover exactly what that junk DNA is, and it's going to blow the world away. Well, now we know what it is. Uh, 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 Harvard University School of uh, Genetics and Genetic Biology, they published a paper about six or seven years ago, and they said, we now know what that so-called junk DNA is. It is a series of biological switches that you can turn on and off. And if we can figure out which ones to turn on, we could discover how to live forever. I mean, wow. that's what they said. And, and I'm telling you, I now here again, here's my theory. The Bible doesn't say this. But in the Garden of Eden, when uh, Adam and Eve sinned and death began to come to humanity, it didn't happen all at once. God was merciful. He didn't just kill Adam and Eve instantly. By the way, he didn't kill Satan instantly, but that day is coming. God says, I will reduce you to ashes, Ezekiel 28, uh, Isaiah 14. He says, I will throw you down like you will die like a man. You will be, you'll be thrown into the pits. Uh, Revelation 20, I will throw you into the lake of fire and there it will consume you and you'll be in agony and suffering and separated from everything. So, so he didn't kill Satan instantly. He didn't even kill Adam and Eve instantly. They lived for hundreds more years. But the death process started, and I am convinced that the creator of DNA, all he had to do was to turn certain switches off. He knew how to do it. And now in the last days, this demonic incursion into our fields of technology it, they, the demonic realm is revealing, I am convinced, this is just my opinion, but based upon everything I know, um, I, I am convinced the demonic realm, it, the, we're in the last days and Satan knows it. He's filled with rage, Revelation 12, 12 says. He has been thrown down. He knows his days are short. He knows his days are numbered. And I'm convinced a lot of this so-called knowledge we're getting is being is being delivered and given by the demonic realm. And, right. and that's like the very real importance of understanding the days of Noah is because you're going into that same environment right now. I think that that's really the point of your book is that yeah. all, all those things and all the evidence you include in your book leads to that element that we're going to yes. head back into that same thing. Yeah, yeah. It that's is yeah, no, and it's not just human flesh that's being corrupted. Now it's animal flesh, and now it's animal and human flesh being mixed. Yeah. And we don't know what kind of demonic incursion and encroachment there has already been and that there continues to be or what may be coming. I mean, good gosh, I, I think in this book I talk about this whole UFO thing. I know I go deep into it in other books. Uh, I, I'm convinced that that's a demonic deception. And now, me too, me too. Yeah, and now this current administration, I mean, they're they're saying, and they look at the U.S. Navy. They're releasing all of these videos of these vehicles that defy gravity and physics. They've been recording them for decades. People say, oh, that's just Russian and Chinese technology. No, no, they've been recording this stuff for 20, 25 years. 
Nobody has, has had this technology 25 years ago and nobody has it now, but yet they've got video recordings that they were releasing and that this new administration is promising that they're going to really just really massively release all this. I think we're being set up, William. I think we're being prepared. For- I think you're, I think you're right. And yeah. do you see this, some of this uh, science fiction, it's all about these entities and the UFO and a lot yeah. of those guys in the UFO community are actually occultists. They're high level. Yeah. I know for a fact that some of these to the stars Academy, which might be the most well-known, Kind of ufo group some of the guys yes. behind that are are oto crowley occultist types yes and in my book prior to this called masquerade um i think it was that book i've written so many now they blend together as to which one i wrote about certain topics but i think it was in masquerade where i actually go through and list a lot of these guys these ufologists who are on the history oh, channel and the sci-fi channel and all that and 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 you're right not only are they into the occult but the thing that just shocked me and the reason I included these, they have recently, all, almost all of them, not all, but the some of the top guys have been releasing statements. And I'm going to just cram them down in, in, into a synopsis. I'm going to paraphrase. But this is what they're saying now. They're saying, and remember, this is a paraphrase synopsis. They're saying, uh, listen, we've been doing this for decades, okay? That's like me, preaching and teaching the word and writing books for decades now. Okay, so they're experts in their field like I'm an expert in my field. They said for decades, we've been tracing this, cataloging, following it, going after these reports of people that have been, you know, been taken or, you know, been captured and, you know, have been probed by these these beings and, 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 and this footage we have from all over the world of these this craft that are defying the laws of earthly physics and gravity and everything else. And they're saying, you know, this is a, a synopsis. They're saying, uh, we now believe these are not little green men from other planets. What we have come to believe after decades is that these are interdimensional beings. They are watching us and they have been watching us since the beginning, and they are desperately wanting to expose themselves to us. They're basically showing themselves to us now to prepare for when they completely openly display themselves to us. Several of these top guys who are famous ufologists have made these kind of statements. One of them went so far to say, and I've got him quoted as, what we're watching more resembles the Christian idea of demonic. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And that yeah. takes you right back to the days be, the days of days Noah, of before Noah. the floods, right? Exactly. There. So you see the similarity. And also in your book, you point out a lot of this really kind of ant- the beginnings of something I never saw in my life is this anti-Christian persecution, especially under COVID. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I, and I know some people are, it might be listening, might be saying, oh, well, now you're just going a little crazy here. Oh, no, no, no. I've got this documented profusely in this book. As you know, you've actually read the book, so you can, you know, you can back me up on this. But the bottom line is this. I make several points, and then I document everything I say. Number one, globally speaking, maybe not in the city where you're you know, some of your listeners are living right now, but globally speaking, this is documented profusely by, by reputable uh, statistics groups that, that do this for a living. We are now living in a time 
when the number one persecuted religious group on the planet is Christianity. And it is more, there have been more people put to death and or imprisoned or had everything in their life destroyed or stolen from them, separated from their families, everything. More people that have been persecuted to that level, even unto death, in the last 100 years than in the last 2,000 years put together since the church was first born. It is global. It is astounding. But it reached uh, another peak when we rounded the corner of 2020. The COVID uh, pandemic is, is, you know, that COVID is real, but there's a lot of fear-demic that has gone on with it. A lot of lying and obfuscating yes. and politicizing and weaponizing. I mean, anybody that doesn't know that now is just not even paying attention to the Agreed. sun coming up. Now, now I'm not one of those deniers that says, no, it doesn't even exist. I mean, it, it does. Something exists. And now we're finding out uh, through, through emails from uh, Fauci and even the Washington Post said, oh my gosh, it looks like we were wrong. It looks like this thing was man-made. It was weaponized. It was made in a laboratory. So, so these are the things we've been saying for a year. We were kicked off Twitter and Facebook for saying it and called conspiracy theorists. Now it's cool for the mainstream media to say it. And so the bottom line is I'm saying that we turned a corner, something snapped on the planet. I mean, the globalists have been looking for a trigger, and I'm making uh, air quotes now. I write about this in Masquerade and other books, uh, Gods and Thrones, I wrote about this. They're looking for a trigger. They need something to terrify the world, to then bring the world to them seeking technological relief. I mean, there's got to be a marking system in the last days, William, because the Bible says that. There's got to be a worldwide panic because the Bible says there would. Jesus said in those days that people will be dying of heart attacks because of the fear of what they're watching. Now the National Institute of Health says we now have a global, um, not pandemic, they call it epidemic of the fear of death. That's their word which is causing an epidemic of mental disease, that's their word, which is causing also an epidemic of suicide, especially among young people, an epidemic of drug abuse, an epidemic of alcohol abuse. I've got the article. I've used it on the radio. I've preached it from my pulpit. The National Institute of Health says this. So it goes back to what I was saying. Something snapped, brother, spiritually we know something was going on in a lab somewhere. We know chemical warfare was biological warfare was going on. We know that when Trump was in office, Trump and, and China uh, hated each other and they went back and forth. We know that in August of 2019, China said, when we round the corner to the new year, we've got a surprise for you. We know that in December of 2019, North Korea told Donald Trump, we've got a Christmas present coming to you very soon. And January 2020, right after Christmas, comes COVID. And by March and April, our entire economy was shut down. Churches were shut down. People were locked in their homes. Prisoners were being released from prison. And Christians were being blamed. Pastors were being arrested, put in jail. Churches were shut. People were being fined for not doing everything the government said. And that was in America, brother. That's not counting the rest of the world where, you know, and people were told, well, if you ever go back to church, we'll tell you when. We'll tell you how many people. We'll tell you if you can sing or not. We'll tell you how far away you have to stay from each other. We'll tell you if you have to wear a mask or not. I mean, it was this spirit of Antichrist that was setting itself up over the church, 
claiming it was God of the church. And right, it, but here they're hypocrites too because they were forbidding churches, but they were allowing these other yeah, people casinos, to go to Sam's Club or whatever. Yeah, and casinos. Yeah. yeah, the Supreme Court ruled in Nevada when there was a lawsuit that these casinos were operating full bore, basically. I mean, they were still saying mask up and all that, but they were operating, you know, money, man, money, money, revenue, state taxes. Uh, and of course the taxes, uh, the churches are tax exempt. So they weren't bringing them. So close them down. Those are not necessary, but the casinos are necessary and the big box stores are necessary and all of this. Well, they actually got it all the way to the Supreme court and the Supreme court ruled in favor of Nevada's casinos over the churches. Now, here's the deal. Churches have a First Amendment protection and casinos do not. But the Supreme Court trashed the First Amendment over this COVID fear-demic. And the Bible also says the last days will be filled with lawlessness. It'll be filled with deception. Truth will be thrown to the ground. Powers will be set up over the churches claiming that they are the God of the church. They can tell us what to do and whether or not we can even worship and how we can worship. We're watching all of that and not just in America, all over the world. Yeah. And in some places it's way worse in the, than it is in the United States. And so, so for the first time since the birth of the church in the, the, the I don't call it Easter. The most of the world does. I call it resurrection Sunday. <clears throat> but because Easter is a pagan term. But anyway, during that season of Passover and Resurrection Sunday, for the first time in 2000 years, there was a global moratorium on meeting for worship. Wow, that's incredible. Well, not only is it incredible, but think about what Resurrection Sunday is. It's the one Sunday that represents the defeat of Satan and Satan shut the churches and he did it in 2020. Brother, I'm telling you, Satan knows something that most pastors apparently don't know. The days of the days of judgment are here. The days of separating the wheat from the ta uh, tear are here. Yeah, no, it's really incredible. And you talk about some of these other things, that, the big five, you call them, that are all kind of being brought down. And the things that I think you said that led to the flood were what the breakdown of marriage, uh, rep reproduction, gender, Israel. And the, the nation state itself, right? Those are yeah. all being eroded. Right. Well, yeah. And they all didn't lead to the destruction of Israel because Israel wasn't even around when a lot of these happened. But, 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 but watch, you're right. You, you're, you're absolutely right. I write about these, these five borders that have been breached in just in the last decade in our nation and around the world. And the borders are, and I don't have my book in front of me, but I, I pretty much remember them off the top of my head. And I don't, I don't know if I have these in, in order, but let me tell you what these borders are. The border of the womb, and I'm going to come back and get to this. The borders of the definition of marriage. The borders of the definition of man, woman, boy and girl, gender, childhood, manhood, womanhood. All right, watch this. The borders of Israel, the returned Israel and the borders of nations in general. Now, let me explain. All five of these are huge biblical uh, mandates from God. Let's start with marriage. God invented marriage all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Jesus even says in Matthew 19, verse 4, he says, Have you not known that from the beginning God made them male and female? 
And for this reason, the man will leave his wife and cleave unto her husband. And the two will be, I mean, leave his uh, father and mother and, and cleave unto his wife. And the two will become one flesh. And then he says what God has defined, what God has joined together, what God has created. Let not man change the rules, change the definition, you know. And, right. I mean, brother, I mean, I mean, God's adamant about that. He said, I will bring my judgment. Now, I want to tell you something. The United States of America represents something in God's framework, okay? I'm not saying we're an angel from heaven or we're the perfect nation. I'm not saying that at all. The, the returned nation of Israel represents something in God's uh, prophetic framework. You can, that can't be denied. The Bible has many prophecies about the return of Israel in the last days, and he said when it comes back, this is to show the world that I alone am God, and the word of God is real. It's mine. It, it, you know, there's no 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 other religion talks about the return of Israel in the last days. Right. No. You mentioned Isaiah 49, yeah. I think, was one. Oh, of yeah, yeah, I go into that. Jeremiah 16. There's yeah, a lot of interesting. The fig tree, that was very fascinating. Thank you, thank you. Well, anyway, so, so my point being, I, I, I go back to the marriage thing. Okay, God invented that. That was the first institution. And he basically said, I'm going to put it modern-day English. I say... A man and a woman makes a marriage. If you say anything else, I will bring my judgment upon you. All right? Now, our Supreme Court, we represent the United States of America. We represent to the world the largest, and I'm making air quotes again, Christian nation the planet has ever seen. And I say that with air quotes because we're a sorry example of Christianity as a nation. But... There is no other nation in the world that has so many people living within it that claim that they are Christian and they're not atheist or agnostic or Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu. They are Christian. If you, Even to this day, if you'll survey uh, big swaths of America in, in, in statistically uh, accurate surveys, you will discover that a little over 70% of everybody you ask claims to be a Christian. Well, but... In this so-called Christian nation, now see, we have that responsibility. We're we're either a good witness or a bad witness. I tell Christians all the time, they say, "Well, I can't witness. I'm not called to witness." And I say, "Oh yeah, you are. Just by saying you're a Christian, you're either a good witness or a bad witness. Now, that's up to you." Well, America's the same way. Watch this. June the fifteenth, uh, excuse me, June the twenty-sixth, twenty fifteen. All right. What, 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 what day? I'm not asking you. I'm not trying to trick you right here in front of your audience. But June the 26, 2015. June I want your audience to think about that. Do what? I don't recall the importance of that date. Okay. Well, let me let me just say it. And again, I wasn't trying to trick you. I'm just getting okay. your audience to think. June the 26, 2015. That was the day that the Supreme Court declared in America that marriage could be anything we want it to be. Now, what's significant about that day? That day corresponded on that year and that month and that day, it corresponded with the Hebrew calendar of the 9th of Tammuz. Every Orthodox Jew knows that that is a day of, of sad, sad judgment on Israel because on the 9th of Tammuz was the day and the month in which Nebuchadnezzar breached the walls of Israel and Jerusalem and captured them and eventually took them all off into captivity and destroyed the temple and destroyed the city walls and destroyed Jerusalem. That's where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all those guys got carted off. Right. Families were separated. People were slaughtered. 
and God brought his judgment because they had been worshiping other gods. The kings were godless. The people had turned to the high places, sacrificing their infants and children in the fires of Molech. And the ninth of Tammuz, God brought a pagan nation against his own chosen people. And on that very day is the day our Supreme Court said, we don't know what a marriage is anymore. And God has said from the beginning, if you ever do that, I will bring my judgment. Brother, that's only been six years ago now. Right. I, I'm telling you, God's judgment, we turned the corner to 2020 and it started popping. It sure did. It sure feels church. like it. Yeah. You say, you you repeat the kind of term, the shaking, the divine the shaking. shaking. Yep. In this. And I kind of feel like that's where we're at right there, this kind of very turbulent time. And there's so much more in this book, so much information. So much I mean, more. So much it's more. just a great book. I highly recommend this. Where's, I mean, where's the? do you have anything you'd like to end with or, or anything I missed before we wrap this up? <laughs> we're in about 40 minutes. Yeah, I, I talk so much. You you and I both. No, you're great. You and I both missed a lot because, the, like you said, the book is just packed with, man, it just, it's like reading the headlines. And then yes. seeing it pop off the pages of the Bible, and and just it it helps people to understand where we are. But it's not a it's not a doom and gloom or scary book. I mean, it ends and it, it continually has a positive punch to it of why we're here at this time and that God has put us here. And he just like Noah, he used Noah. Noah celebrated the day he lived in, and then God protected him. Look at Lot. He said it'll be just like the days of Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, here we are, brother. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah all over the world, thanks to the the internet and 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 but yet god is protecting his people and he's going to deliver his people before he pours out his wrath and his wrath is coming and there is a generation coming that's going to see this whole antichrist spirit turn into an actual kingdom for a while we're watching that but yet god will take care of his people so i just i end it with a powerful punch or two of 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 um perspective and encouragement. And so I just, I pray that people will get this. Listen, this thing is sold out everywhere. You can't even keep it in stock. Amazon sells out. They're so far back ordered. You order it and then boom, they, you know, they get in a shipment and they're gone. Um, big ministries that have purchased this book uh, have sold them by the tens and tens of thousands. They're back ordered by the tens of thousands. I just urge people, put your order in, get the book. If you find it in the bookstore, get it. You can get some. My, my offices just got a few boxes in from the publisher the other day. They got a warehouse full of them in. The publishers did, but they had to turn around and ship them out because Amazon's waiting and these huge ministries that sell tens of thousands, they're waiting. So God's using it. I mean, it's making sense to people and it makes sense out of life. So I'm urging your audience, get this book. You can go to my website, carlgallops.com. And at the top of the page, it has an email and a phone number. And if you want to order it from me directly, you can. I'll sign it. And uh, if you want that, I'll, I'll pay all the shipping if it's in the United States. I'll match or beat Amazon's prices, uh, but but they'll be gone soon. So I just want to say that. But uh, but anyway, I, I, I praise God that it's so popular. But on the other hand, I'm discouraged that some people want it badly and they can't get their hands on it. Well, it's a good thing. I mean, it's a good problem to have. It's an excellent book. I highly recommend it. Again, the title of the book is The Summoning, Preparing for the Coming Days of Noah by Pastor Carl Gallup's. Mr. Gallops, thanks so much for your time. Excellent job.
Oh, thank you, William. I, I enjoy being with you. God bless. All right, God bless you too.